Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. You know, I have a philosophy of SW, SW, SW. It stands for some will, some won't. So what? Move on. Find the people who do want to love you and support you in that new journey. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. 
Welcome back to the podcast. I have an amazing guest on the show today. This person was introduced to me by way of Tim Story, who I also view as a mentor of mine. And this is a new mentor and a friend that I just, I really, really um, look up to all that this human being has created in the world and the impact that has created. But not just that, I have had the blessing of recently being on his podcast as well. So got to go meet him in person and connect with him. And um, it was really, really just a beautiful afternoon for me. And I learned so much. So before I introduce this epic human being, I want to remind you to go get your ticket to The Bliss Project. And that is at theblissproject.info. You guys, it is the dawn of the new year. And I know that you have big goals. And you, even if they are goals around the person that you are... I absolutely know that the Bliss Project is the place for you to really plant those seeds and learn how to harvest them throughout the year. And if you were like me and think you have to do it alone or that going it alone is better or you don't want to want to go it alone but you don't know what to do this is where you want to be i'm just going to be that loving voice for you that says yeah you don't know what's going to happen there and you're not sure but you have this tiny little nudge that says go that's called your soul <laughs> and it's saying hi you're supposed to go yes it's going to be scary or yes you don't know what to expect but If that's there and you're ready to do this with a group of like-minded people, that's where you want to go. So go to theblissproject.info because I have a feeling this is going to sell out early this year because we already, um, at the time of recording, which is weeks before this, are at 80% sold out. So we might be at 90 or more at this point. So go over there right now and grab your spot. So... Today on the podcast, I have Win Claybaugh, and he is such an amazing human that I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation. So Wynn is the dean and co-owner of Paul Mitchell Schools. He is a motivational expert. He um, acclaimed by Larry King. He has been acclaimed one of the best motivational speakers in the country. As an educator, consultant, and speaker, Wynn has helped thousands of companies from airlines to restaurant chains build their brands and create success successful working cultures. Wynn has a be nice philosophy in business and education and his ethic of inclusivity and acceptance from the core are the core values of Paul Mitchell schools. And you guys, he is the author of a book called Be Nice or Else. He is the host of the Masters Audio Club, which is a very popular beauty industry audio series with worldwide subscribers. And you guys, I got to be on his podcast and I'll tell you just being in person with this human was, um, you know, those people that you walk in the room and the energy is just palpable. Uh, something that we talk about on the podcast is I wanted to know how he does that because his energy is what he's known for is when he walks in the room, he knows how to shift people and you are going to learn how to do that on this podcast. So I asked him so many questions about what he does to get that energy. Um, He talks about being in the business of selling energy and that just blew my mind because that's exactly what we're doing. He talks about coming from a background that 
didn't, he doesn't even do hair, you guys, yet he is literally owns salons and is one of the biggest names in the beauty industry. So how did he do that without having a background in it? And I think this applies to everything and everyone who listens to this podcast is what are you actually in the business of? And his life philosophies are absolutely beautiful and they will also help you in business. And we talk about how his life philosophies have run parallel to how he runs in his business and how you show up in the world is how you show up to yourself. So listen in, listen to this. Listen to me when I say some of the things that are said at the end of this conversation, like there were moments where I was like, oh my God, I pray people listen all the way to the end because this just massively impacted my life. So stay with us and I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation. So let's go. Wynn, I'm so grateful to have you on my show today. Thank you so much for coming on. Sweetheart, I I am grateful. You know, what's so funny is that you and I both agreed to do this, where you interview me for your podcast, and I just interviewed you last week. I think we knew each other for two whole seconds when we both said yes. <laughs> you know what's crazy is I just number one how we were connected. I just whatever Tim's story or Patrice are doing for me, it was just the connection through Tim's story. I was like, absolutely, like who is this? this is going to be amazing. So I was so thrilled about that and honored as well. And I had so much fun on your podcast last... You guys, literally, we were... Him and I were together. Um, was that three days ago? Yeah, it was. It <laughs> so was. I think this is the most fun way to do it is back to back when the conversation is actually still going. So I really loved being on your podcast and it was it was so much fun just to go into that conversation together. And it was my favorite kind of podcast where it's like you, you we incredible. both got to talk. We went on 90 minutes and we we still could have continued on. It was great. So I, I can't wait to share your message with my listeners, with my audience. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm so thrilled to have you on today um, and continuing the conversation. And as I was really doing uh, different research on you, number one, thanks for all the info. I feel smarter today. <laughs> <laughs> for real. And number number two, I just really, um, you know, kind of like what we were talking about when I was on your podcast, it's like there's so many... Uh- there's so many things I could talk to you about because I really feel like your just overall mindset and theory on life is so similar to mine. And what I'm so curious about today is just really talking about because you're such a businessman and you're also just, you really, uh, the way that you look at life is so um, just interesting to me. So I'm really curious to look at the overlapping, especially as we go into this new year with, I know so many of my listeners are always curious about bettering their lives, but then also taking what happens from bettering their lives, you know, that passion and this newfound sense of purpose and really looking at how it applies to business as well. So I think that's going to be such a fun conversation. But before that, uh, when I feel like you've lived like 20 different lifetimes, maybe more than that within your lifetime, like looking at your story and where you come from and all of the things that you've done. I can imagine the time and hard work that it took, but also I would love for people who maybe aren't familiar just with uh, where you come from, if you could share all the way back, because I thought it was so amazing how, you know, just even from your teenage years going into 20s, where you come from and what you're doing now. Uh, 
Well, that's a that's a that's a good good way to start. I know. <laughs> uh, I, I actually started my my company uh, 35 years ago, uh, so I'm, I'm the dean co-founder of uh, Paul Mitchell Schools. So I literally opened up my first school 35 years ago, and wow. it was in Provo, Utah, of all places. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. So that's what I tell people now. It's like, and, you know, come on, I made it work in Provo, Utah. <laughs> but you, you can make this work in Chicago, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, and but I, I, I barely, and I mean barely, graduated from high school. Mm. Apparently, they want you to show up. Uh, <laughs> I, I was busy. I told them. Uh, <laughs> never went to college. Not one day of college. And uh, gosh, in the last. Uh, eight years. So even without that college education, without uh, barely a, a high school diploma, uh, in the last eight years, I've been invited to speak at Yale University, UCLA, Brigham Young University, University of Nebraska. Uh, I was named the, the the youngest recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award from the North American Hairdressing Association, and I'm not even a hairdresser. Mm. But I, I, I share I share all of that stuff not because it's just part of a resume, but mainly with the message that not once in my entire 35-year career has anybody ever asked to see my resume. Wow. Meaning nobody has any idea if I'm even qualified to be doing what I'm doing right now because nobody ever asked, nobody ever checked up on me. The only thing that people knew about me was, you know, Wynn is kind of excited. Let's just work with Wynn because he's very excited. Mm. All they ever knew about me was that I'm excited. I mean, some people tell me that I make coffee nervous, which... <laughs> That's the best. Well, I like that because, yeah, you know, yeah I mean, I, I, I love having that, that energy. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some people, I, I meet them and I say, it's not about your resume, it's about your passion. And, and people say, yeah, when, well, I, I, I've got passion. I'm like, really? Tell your face because I can't see it right now. <laughs> that is amazing. So what do you think that, so it, that's, that's the question I get all the time is just like, I, they, they feel like they're not ready or they have to have something. What made you, is it just the excitement or the passion? And how did you make sure you were showing up like that so that people don't even think about the resume? Well, a couple of things that you just said, you said, first of all, showing up, mm. it's amazing how many people want the opportunity. They want the gig, they want the accolade, they want the paycheck, they want the promotion and they don't even show up for it. Right. You know, people, people want the spotlight. And the truth of the matter is that if most people got the spotlight today, they, they would make a total fool of themselves mm. because they're not ready. Meaning if, if you want the accolades and you want the paycheck and you want the rewards and all those things, you have to show up for it. Mm. You, ha- you have to put in the time. And I think nowadays we're, we're a microwave generation where people want things instantly. And yet things can come quicker uh, for, for many, many reasons. But at the end of the day, we still have to do the work. We have to show up. We have to do the work. We have to surround ourselves by the right people. And, and that list goes on and on and on because I don't really believe that there's a lot of shortcuts. There might be short-term shortcuts, but you know we're, we're here for the long haul. Mm. And, and, and the long haul is about not just sustaining ourselves financially, but it's about a legacy and it's about a reputation. And it's about you know what are, what, what's the, the big picture overall difference that we're making on this planet? Uh, and I don't believe that there's a shortcut to that. I feel the exact same way. So what did the beginning of showing up look like for you? Like, you know, in the beginning when you're like, I don't even necessarily know where to start, but I'm excited about this. Or how did that look? For, for some reason, I've always, even as a lo- young child, had this passion for uh, mentors. My mom 
used to tell me that how she got me to eat breakfast was to tell me that that's what Walt Disney ate for breakfast. <laughs> so of course, then I would want to eat it. Meaning I, I was always drawn to famous, successful people. But let me clarify that. It's, it's successful, famous people who do good things with their celebrity because there's a lot of very famous, rich people that I really could care less what they have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always drawn to successful people because I'm not, I'm not a big reader. I wrote a book, but I don't read. Go mm. figure. Um, <laughs> so I was always drawn to people asking them questions. You know, that the process that you and I had last Friday of sitting down, I was already doing that. I was already sitting down with, mm. with, with heroes and people that I admire to ask them questions, how they did it, because I knew that I wasn't, um, I wasn't educated formally the way other people are educated. I always knew that I needed to get the information from other people, that my source of knowledge and wisdom and experience needed to come from, from people, from conversations. And so I was always having those conversations. And mm. I mean, eventually I put a microphone in the equation and, and started sharing those answers with, with other people as well. Mm. But uh, so, so that's how I did it in the, in the beginning. And I still do that to this day. Mm. I still seek out incredible mentors. I'm always on the hunt. I call it stalking people. So had you not immediately responded to me, Lori, I would have stalked you. <laughs> See, that's how, that's how you get it done though. That's amazing. So I have a couple questions on mentors. So I was, I was literally just on a coaching call the other night. And a lot of the main questions were how, like people are afraid to even ask questions. So how do you, what would you say to someone who they want to be mentored, but they don't see their own value enough to even go up to the, these people and ask, like, what's something that you can tell people to help them think of to even start asking the questions? First of all, I think that people who are, are successful, the majority of people, there's always the exception, but the majority of people who are successful, they want to share their stories. Mm-hmm. They, they want to see other people happy and succeed. They want to share that journey with other people. And, and, and I, th- I believe, I know it's true for me, p- uh, mentors are, are flattered when you come to them and say, you know what, I've, I researched mm-hmm. you, Lori. I think you're incredible. What you've done with your podcast, the marriage that you have, what you've had to overcome in your life, meaning they, they've done research on you and they know about you. And then they want to know more. They want to ask questions about how you did it. That's flattering. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and by the way, if a mentor turns you down, then that's not the right mentor anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, you only get what you ask for in life. And so absolutely just reach out to those people, but, but do, your, do your work. Mm-hmm. I, I remember being coached by a, a publicity person who was telling not just me, but a whole audience of people, uh, uh, how, how many people want to get on the Oprah show, but they don't watch the Oprah show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they want Oprah to call them to interview them, but they don't even watch her show. And so this guy was like, number one, first step is you got to watch her show. Mm-hmm. And so number one, you got to do your research on the mentors, the people that you're admiring and you want to ask them questions. You want to invite them to be your coach or your mentor you know, make sure you're, you're doing your research on who they are and what they stand for and what they believe in and what they've been through. Mm, so good. So who are some of your uh, biggest mentors in your life? Um, you know, going back, because I came through uh, desperation and you and I talked about this the other day, it's either inspiration or desperation mm-hmm. that gets us motivated. For me, it was pure desperation. I was, I was very miserable as a, as, as a young adult. 
I wasn't suicidal, but I was probably as close to being suicidal as possible without actually being suicidal. Mm -hmm. And I was desperate. Um, So it wasn't the inspiration that drew me to these mentors. I was desperate and I needed some answers just to be able to get myself out of bed in the morning. Mm. And and so a, a lot of my original mentors were people who addressed self-esteem stuff, mm. confidence stuff. So it was people like Louise Hay and Marianne Williamson, who I, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard of these incredible people. Yes, it was love. Ron Bradshaw, who takes a clinical approach to psychology. It was people like Og Mendino and Leo Buscaglia. I mean, just wonderful, wonderful people who took a spiritual approach to, and when I say spiritual, I'm not, necess- I'm not talking about religious, uh, a spiritual approach to self-esteem, uh, which absolutely overlapped into business. And you used that word uh, earlier in this interview, overlapping. Mm. I, I think that people think that to be successful in life, you're supposed to segment your life. You're supposed mm. to say, okay, over here are my relationships. Over here is my spirituality. Over here is my business. And I'm supposed to keep all those areas separated and divided. And I can never figure that out. I was always like, so I'm, I'm supposed to leave my soul at home when I go to work every day? Mm. So mm-hmm. really, the idea of overlapping, not, not segmenting these areas, overlapping these areas. And so the person that I am at work that serves me as a good business person, which can turn into making a lot of money, is that I'm, I'm a good husband. I'm, I'm a good human being. I'm a good philanthropist. And absolutely, that translates into the business world because people want to work for somebody like that. Mm. And so much of that goes back to what you said, like being excited and being passionate, but being excited and being passionate is, I, I find it's for me personally, and I love that you, you uh, talked about this with me, that we were talking about how you and I feel like we have to work harder to be happy. Like it's not necessarily a natural state for us when we wake up in the morning and we were talking about like our spouses are tend to be like the happier people within the relationships. So what does that look like for you? Like, and how that translates into your passion and excitement first, making sure that you are figuring out what that looks like. It works well because I, I feel this could be my belief only that the majority of people are that way, that mm. the majority of people on some level need to work at their happiness where it does not come naturally to them. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that that's my story, that, that the fact that that's my journey and I have had to figure out what that looks like for me. On, on a daily basis, because I, I still have not graduated from that. <laughs> me Nobody's given me a final certificate saying you don't have to work on your happiness anymore. Right. Um, because I still work at that every single day. And I, there's 16,000 people in my organization, in my company. Well, then guess what? The majority of those people need some answers as well. Mm. And if they can get some of those answers from me, meaning the dean, the boss... Uh, the, the the founder, the leader of this organization, and and I'm vulnerable enough to share my personal story and my ongoing journey with those things, mm-hmm. and that gives them hope. And and in any kind of an organization, whether it's for profit or nonprofit or a a group of friends, when we're the person who can sell hope, when we're the person who can can, can give people something to look forward to. Yeah, it's 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 pretty simple what people are looking for. Three basic human needs, and people need to feel safe. People need to feel that they belong, 
and people need to feel that they have a purpose. And, mm. and, and for me, breaking it down in those three areas defines my role and gives me my purpose, gives me my marching orders, so to speak, on a daily basis of what I need to create within my organization. You know, you, you don't want me working in the accounting department of my company. You don't. <laughs> you don't want me doing payroll. You don't want me, you know, doing the janitorial stuff. Of course, I used to do all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not my area of expertise. And now I, I found very, very passionate people who are brilliant at making sure our facilities are clean, who are brilliant at making sure that our accounting systems are the best. But when it, when it comes to the passion and the leadership of the company, that absolutely has to come from me. It has to come from the top. It has to come from the leader. You know, I, li- I like to relate it to, to, to your home life. You, you could pay someone to clean your house. Mm-hmm. You could pay someone to mow your lawn. You wouldn't pay someone to kiss your kids goodnight. Mm. You wouldn't pay someone to attend your daughter's piano recital. Well, mm-hmm. at work in the, in the company, yeah, I can pay somebody to do accounting. I can pay somebody to do janitorial. When it comes to hugging my people, when it comes to making sure that my people feel safe, that they belong, that they have a purpose, that has to come from me. Mm. So for people right now who might have even even a small business or one employee or three employees or whatever that looks like, what is something that you think uh, can be the most impactful to either create a culture or to get people as excited as you? Because that's one of, I will tell you still to this day, is still one of the things, I think we have a beautiful culture, but I'm always looking to how to get people like my people even more excited, not more excited, but stay excited about the stuff that can be not exciting. Right. Well, uh, first of all, realize that even if you only have one employee, you know, two people coming together creates a culture. Mm -hmm. So a lot of companies think, well, once we have 20 people, then we'll sit down and figure this stuff out. Mm -hmm. By then it's too late. Wow. Well, it's not too late. (laughs) Yeah. But, but, but realize that it's not too early if there's only two of you. When two people come together, there's a culture. And culture is defined by, by the feeling that we have. Like, like you, you can walk into to one pizza parlor and it feels toxic. It feels unfriendly. Mm. I mean, the place could be clean. It could be the best pizza you've ever eaten, but it just has this feeling. Mm-hmm. And you walk into another pizza parlor, you know, same pricing, same product same quality, same cleanliness, but it just feels inviting. Yeah. It just feels comfortable. It just feels like, wow, I, I just want to hang out here. Uh, Marianne Williamson used to say that every business is a front for a church. Mm. And when she said that, she wasn't talking about, again, a religious place. But a, a church is a place where people go and they, they, they feel like they're loved and that they're accepted. And, and every business should have that feeling. You know, I mean, Starbucks and and other companies have, they work hard to create what they call the third place. The first place is your home. The second place is your work. People are looking for a third place. The third place is where I don't work here, but I just hang out here. Mm. I just, I I hear, I'm here to buy a cup of coffee or I'm here to, to, to buy a book, but I just want to hang out. I just want to I just feel comfortable here. I, I love the music. I love the textures. I love the colors. I love the lighting. I love the other people who are hanging out here. And it's my third place. And people mm-hmm. are looking for a third place. Mm. You know, it's so interesting as I'm thinking of that. I also think that we can impact 
uh, um, and, and of course we know this, but we can impact that even more on our experience of how we walk in. Like I have a lot of third places where some days I can walk in and be like low energy and other places it can be high. And it like, I feel like it actually can, it can change the experience with everyone in there, obviously. So I know that you are so intentional in talking about how you have the excitement and passion. What do you do intentionally to uh, get out of maybe the feeling when you first wake up and you're not feeling excited or you're not feeling passionate, but you have an, you know, you have interactions coming up that morning or you have a meeting that you have to go to or you have a big speaking event when you are not feeling it. Okay, well, um, I, I, I can address this. First of all, personally, what, I, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. I know that there are certain things that I need to do every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for, for example, I know getting up early is important to me. Mm-hmm. If I don't get up early, I just know that when I'm up early, I have a better day. Mm-hmm. And my day starts at a, about 4.30 in the morning. And it, it didn't used to start at 4.30. It used to be more like at 6 o'clock. But I have a daughter. And so she's up at six o'clock. And so when, when she's up, I'm focused solely on her to get her breakfast and get her ready for school and to have fun because I don't want her leaving the house all stressed out. If I'm all stressed out, well, now she's leaving the first grade stressed out. That's not a, a good educational experience for her. So if I'm not up at 4.30 where I have enough time, uh, you and I were talking about this the other day that I, I read that article from Jeff Bezos about how he putters. And, and that's the exact word that I like to use too. I, I wake up at 4.30 and I'm, I'm just puttering around the house. I'm just, but, but there's something about that mm-hmm. relaxation and it gets my mind going and my, my energy going in the right direction of where I'm, I'm taking care of the dogs and I'm making coffee and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm putting music on. I, I, I light some candles because I like candles. You know, it just mm-hmm. creates an ambiance for me. I'm all about my ambiance and what's, what I'm mm-hmm. surrounded by. And so I have a good hour and a half of that before my daughter gets up. And, and, and if I don't do that, well, now I'm waking up at six o'clock. Now I'm stressed. I haven't taken care of myself. Now I'm giving that to her. Um, now her day isn't starting off the right way. And, uh, you know, the, the gym, I have to go to the gym five days a week. I have to, have to, have to. And on the days when I miss it, I'm dragging. When I'm dragging, you better believe that affects my energy. And now other people pick up on that. And I know that a big commodity of what I sell is my energy. It's, it's, you know, is win in a good mood today. Mm. And, and, if, and if win is not in a good mood today, people start to think, oh my gosh, win's in a bad mood. That must mean the company's in trouble. My paycheck's going to bounce. I must find a new job. You know, mm. they jumped to all kinds of, of conclusions here when really all it was was, you know, I didn't take care of myself that day. So I, I, I understand the responsibility that I have both as a dad, both as a husband, and both as the leader of as a leader of a company, mm. that it, it has to start with me. And you know, if you were to ask a very successful person to name one thing that they do to be successful, you know, to 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 make millions of dollars, what 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 was it that they did? They couldn't name one thing. Mm-hmm. What could they name? Are a whole bunch of little tiny things that they did consistently for years and all those little tiny things added up to financial success. Mm-hmm. Well, the good news about that is is that all those little tiny things aren't they're they're not secrets. They're not mysteries. We know exactly what it takes. So as as I said earlier, people want they want the 
the, the rewards without the effort. So they want the, the health and the energy, but they're not eating well. They're not getting enough sleep at night. Oh, I want the energy. I, I, I want to be able to work a 12-hour day, but I didn't invest in my physical being. I didn't, I didn't have a good breakfast in the morning. I didn't go to the gym. I didn't get enough sleep at night, but I want the results without the work. So we have to do the work, and I know what the work takes. Mm. So on a personal level, I absolutely am committed to doing what I need to do on a daily basis, not on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, what I need to do to make sure that I'm set up for that day. Oh my goodness. You you gave me such a light bulb moment just with how you said, talking about, uh, you know that one of the biggest pieces of what you do and what you sell is your energy. Like that is everyone. We think we're in business, but we are actually the business. It's the business of the energy that we're putting forward. And I just, if that was, if you don't have it and do the things to reserve that and create it, then whatever you're actually, the thing you think you're selling is not going to be desired at all. Like that's so, that was so powerful for me. Wow. Well, you know, you and I were smart enough and here I'm going to, I'm going to give ourselves accolades here. <laughs> Let's do you it. I was smart enough to become motivational speakers. And by the way, I'm always, always telling people and even training them, other business leaders, how to become motivational speakers. Whether you plan to launch a career as a speaker or not, whether you ever plan to receive a fee as a speaker or not, doesn't matter. But the idea of being able to stand in front of a group of people, whether that's a group of one or a team meeting with 20 people Mm -hmm. or to future customers and have the passion through your words to know how to move a team of people with your words, to be able to drive them and and facilitate uh, an emotional experience with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could have the most brilliant ideas in the world, but if you can't move a team of people with your words or potential customers, with your passion, with your energy, your brilliant ideas aren't going to go anywhere. Oh my goodness, that ju- that opens something else up for me. Where when I'm thinking now about when I'm pre- uh, preparing to speak in front of a uh, a large audience, I used to do so much like prep around what I'm saying, and now I've realized the the way that I show up the best is when I let go of what I'm saying and prep like my vessel and like my mindset and like where I'm coming from and what I'm what I, am I feeling connected to God source whatever you believe am I taking that time to get space and putter like you said like the things that I need because if we it's just this realization moment of wow when you really tap into what brings you joy makes you excited and passionate you don't have to do all of those outside external things as much. And while that did play a role in my life for you know many different reasons, proving different things to myself, now it's so interesting taking like the preparation for creating that energy. You're, you're exactly right. But at the same time, you did do the work. It's not yeah. like you're winging it every single no. time. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you have the knowledge. You did the research. You have the words. And you probably rehearsed a thousand times how to mm-hmm. how to tell one story to make sure that you're telling it the right way right. for the audience to hear it. But so you already did the work and now you can just put that aside and relax and 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 focus on on uh mm-hmm. the, the, the context rather than just the content. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that applies to so many people where they're, they don't realize they're doing all of that work right now. And some people say that they feel that they'll never be, uh, they'll never be ready. You know, they feel like they'll never be ready. So when, when you're talking to different people, you said you prep people a lot for public speaking and, uh, you know, doing different things like that. What are some of the biggest blocks that people tell you? Because I know so many people listening want to do speaking. They want to be more of a leader, but they don't feel feel ready yet, despite the fact that in order to be ready, you need to actually do it. So what do you, how do you help those people? Well, what do they say? The, 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 the number one fear is public speaking yeah. and number, and number two is death by fire. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I know. So, so you can imagine how you and I feel on a stage, right? Yeah. It's hot <laughs> up there. <laughs> I guess the first, the first step is to overcome that fear. Mm. Because everybody, everybody will tell you, what's the number one fear? Oh, public speaking. So I'll never do it. So they, they've already decided that they're never going to be a public speaker. They're never going to buy into the stuff that you and I are sharing right now, i.e. the importance of them being a good speaker to be able to use their words and their passion to sell their vision or to uh, enlist a, a team of people to support their cause. They're, they're never going to do that because they've already bought into the collective belief system that the number one fear is public speaking. So number one, just, you know, get over it. Mm. I like to say build a bridge and get over it. Mm. So it is, it is fearful. But you know what? The first time my hairdressers cut hair, it was fearful. <laughs> they, 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 you know, they're going to, it was an eight hour haircut, by the way. <laughs> they, they cut off fingertips and maybe some ears. I don't know. You know? <laughs> Of course, anything that you try for the first time or the second time or the 20th time, there, there's fear based around that. And so just realize that, that everything is that way. You know, when you committed to, to, to marriage, that's, that, that, that wasn't easy. That's, oh my gosh, there's a lot of fear based <laughs> in that. What am I committing to, you know? And just think of the things that you could have said no to, things that you are good at today, things that you love and enjoy today, that in the beginning, were fearful. Mm-hmm. You were you were you were afraid of doing those things, and so and public speaking is probably one of those things. And so just get over it. So mm-hmm. and the best way to overcome that is like anything else is just doing it again and again and mm-hmm. again, over and over and over again. And a lot of my preparation literally was uh, in front of a mirror. It was you know re- recording myself or videotaping myself as a, as a speaker and watching that. You know, we talked about your TED talk, you know, that you had to memorize it word for word, like you were an actor in a play. You were memorizing, you know, hired to, to fill a, a role in a, in, a, in a production and you had to memorize that. So whatever it takes to prepare so that when you're on that stage, you know, you're delivering a great presentation and, and it gets better and better over time. Mm. Uh, but, but otherwise, there, there's, there's, I don't know if you ever did Toastmasters, I never did, but there's some great organizations that that teach people how to be good presenters. I just think it's such a an amazing skill for mm-hmm. for any type of a leader. And by the way, all of us are leaders. My my definition of leadership is someone who has influence over another human being, which means we're all leaders. I mean, you have influence over total strangers at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. You can either you could either make that person's day or you could ruin that stranger's day. And so we all have influence just realize that you're a leader and and all leaders good leaders possess the skill set of being a good public speaker. Mm. Why do you think we're afraid to really show up in that leadership position or some people are? 
it's, it's not just afraid of, of a leadership position. We're afraid of showing up as a good parent or as a good spouse or as a good neighbor or as a, you know, for, for whatever reason, we, we think that we're less than, mm-hmm. that we're missing something, that we're not good enough. And we compare ourselves to other people and, you know, gosh, there's nobody better than you, <laughs> Lori, mm-hmm. to, to share those stories and, and what it takes to overcome those things. Mm. You know, speaking of fear and just fear of stepping into leadership and fear around public speaking and so much fear, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that I'm hearing from people is a lot of it is based when you really go to the root of it. You know, you go beyond the fear of showing up in this way or, you know, whatever that looks like. It's fear of what other people think in criticism. And I know that you kind of talk about how to diffuse maybe people who aren't nice to you or maybe handling different things when people come at you with things that are negative or even feedback. Like I think we're just afraid of feedback in general of people not liking us. So through your career, I mean, you've dealt with so many different people. What do you do when you get criticism or when people are rude to you? Or, you know, when you come upon a situation that's really actually like, you know, it's hurtful. It hurts you. Well, there's, there's a couple of ways I can a- answer this. Um, first of all, uh, what simplifies this for me is that there are two uh, energies that rule this planet. One is love. Mm-hmm. And the opposite of love, people think the opposite of love is hate, and it's really not. It's fear. Mm-hmm. Now, fear has many faces. Hate is one of the faces of fear. And so that, that, that simplifies it for me because if it's not coming from a place of love, well, then it's coming from a place of fear. Mm. Now, I could address fear by using my own fear. So when somebody attacks me or somebody's rude to me or somebody's mean to me, I could, that's, that, that's their fear. <laughs> and I could respond with my fear. You know, where is that going to get us? Mm-hmm. And so for me, whenever that comes at me, it's easy for me to just say, well, easy, not easy. It's, it, it makes it easier for me to say, okay, they're, they're showing me their fear right now. They're attacking me. They're hating me. They're judging me. Mm-hmm. They're, they're showing their fear. I have a choice now. How am I going to respond? Am I going to respond with my fear? I'm going to attack back. Or am I going to respond with my love? Mm-hmm. And, and love has many faces as well. And I just think that we could disarm so many fearful people, hateful people through loving acts. You know, love is a verb. It requires action. And so I could tell you that I love you, but I need to, I need to show you through my actions. And mm. boy, that's, that's a very, very long list. The mm. things that we can do, the actions that we can, that we can execute to show people that we love them. And by the way, that's not just with people that, that are attacking us. My, my employees, the people that work with me, they need to know that I love them. Well, I can't just tell them. I need to show them. You know, people, people uh, if they follow me into one of my companies, it happened today. There was somebody that visiting and, and he even commented, he's like, gosh, when you, you spent 30 minutes hugging everybody. Mm. Well, if, if I walked through the front doors and went straight to my office, what's the buzz in my building in about a minute? Mm. Wow, Wynn's in a really bad mood. Mm. Everybody lay low today. Stay away from Win. He's in a bad mood. He didn't hug me today. Mm. That's all that happened. And it could be that I was really busy that day. I was in a hurry. I could be in the best mood. But if their perception is that I'm in a bad mood, that something's wrong with me, 
then again, they can jump to all kinds of conclusions. And, and I need to own that. Mm-hmm. Meaning it's not, it's not, I don't need to only own the fact that I'm in a good mood every day. And we just talked about that of, of the responsibility that I have and the things that I need to do to make sure that I'm in a good mood every single day. If people don't know that I'm in a good mood, meaning if their perception of me is that I'm in a bad mood and that, and that perception came about simply because I was too busy to stop and hug them that day. And by the way, I hugged them every single day, but I missed one day. Mm-hmm. I need to own people's perception of me. Mm-hmm. I need to own their perception of me. Mm-hmm. So where does that responsibility end for you? Because obviously now we have social media and we have just, you know, being, let's say you go to huge events and you can't hug everyone and you kind of have to guard your energy. And where, so where do you let it be okay to disappoint people? Hmm. Well, that's a, that, 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 that's a tough question because you and I privately discussed that as well, yeah. that we're people pleasers. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we want, we want everybody to like us. We want to please everybody. Yep. And, uh, I probably, my daughter is the one who has taught me that the most is, uh, you know, she's my number one, my number one priority and, Mm. and how much do I need to be available for her? Mm. Um, you know, I, I used to be available 24 seven. Well, 24 (laughs) seven available to everybody else is not a healthy lifestyle, family life for my daughter. Mm And so now I'm not available 24-7 anymore. Mm. And so is, is that upsetting some people? I'm sure that it is. You know, but maybe, maybe how I answer that is I, I communicate that. I let people know, you guys, I still love and care about you. But guess what? It's my daughter's time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm sure that, you know, I use that kind of as an excuse, but although it is, you know, true, uh, you know, when you, when you do a big event and after the event, people want to take a picture with you or have you sign the book and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. And if, if I tell people, you guys, I have to get out of here because I'm going to run to the airport to jump on a plane to get home in time to put my daughter to bed. They're like, get out of here when push, they're pushing me out the door. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so because, so I, I communicate that people, people want to know that, well, I'm trying to be a good dad and so is when. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think that people want to see other people succeed and, 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 and happy as well. So maybe the answer to that is to communicate that to people. The other about, I'm, I'm, I never read, and this is actually true. I never read what people post about me. I really don't. Mm. So, cause I, I, I don't know that I would be good at handling that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think I, I might be the one who's staying up all night trying to respond and, and mm-hmm. trying to make an excuse or to try to, put them in their place or whatever. I don't know. So I don't know what people are saying about me mm-hmm. uh, through social media because mm. I just don't, I just don't see that as uh, anything healthy for me. I don't. Oh my God. That's, that's beautiful. I really, I just, so I, I hope that people heard that and heard the freedom in that because if you don't know and the people who matter most to you, you are aware then why does that actually matter if you still get to put your work into the world and enjoy it? And I think people with social media are told like we need to have this ongoing conversation with people. And to me, I honestly can't be a person who reads all of the feedback either. Like I just, I can't, like it's too, I don't show up in the energy that I want to and I don't give back the same. I actually hold back uh, for fear of, you know, the comments. So for me, I just avoid it. 
And I think that that's beautiful self-awareness to have. Well, now some people listening to this right now think, well, so if I have a bad haircut at one of your schools, mm-hmm. when I, I can't, you know, post a complaint about it. No, I, I, there are people on my payroll. That's mm-hmm. their job. Yes. Mm-hmm. To, to, but that's not my job. Right. It's not, it's not my job. Right. Totally. I have people on my team who, when it's a true concern and they know we've had conversations about what's the differentiator, is it something that I could change? Was it something about my personality that's like, you know, whatever. If it was something that I can change and needs to be changed or something that I offended someone that could have been changed or prevented, like those are the things that I want to know. Everything else, I'm like, "Mm, we're good. (laughs) Yeah. So I think having those people in those conversations just like that, like the the things that are important that you're capable of changing or that should be changed. I think that that's really powerful and knowing those differentiators and maybe later as your business grows, being able to have those people like those gatekeepers. Because in the beginning, I did not have that. I was everything, right? It was customer service. It was responding back. It was like, and I will say my life was super, uh, like very stressful at any given moment. And so now it's better. But in the beginning, just like you said, like you have to put that time and in that work and, and you learn about yourself and you know what's important to take care of. So, you know, there are people who could do that for their business. Like if you're super stressed out at seeing all that stuff, you can add that person. So yeah, I love that. Thank you for that. Yeah. You have to know what you're good at and know what you're not good at. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think for people to come forward, you know, cause we, you know, we get together and we, we network and we brag about all the things that we're good at. Okay. Well, Tell me what you're, how about if we get together and talk about what we're not good at? Oh, that's a good because, one. <laughs> because, because that's our area of opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so tell me, I, I would rather have an employee come to me and say, when I really suck in this area, mm. you know, I know it's part of my job description and I, and I, I'm, and I'm not good at it when I would love that conversation mm-hmm. rather than them just continuing to suck at it. And then they blow it and, they're not doing their job and eventually they, they can lose their job over. I would rather them come to me and say, I'm really bad at this, you know, because now I can, cool, I could, I could provide the resources to you. I could, re- I could provide the training and the mentoring to help you come on board in, in those areas of your life. So, mm. Is there something right now that you're working at in your life that you feel you're not good at that you are trying to create a solution for? There's, there's, oh my gosh, always, always. And for, for me, what's always at the top of that list is, is, uh, leadership. Mm. And that's, it's a really broad topic, but you know, just, uh, leadership as my company gets bigger and bigger and, um, how can I still remain, um, available? Mm. And so I'm always looking for, for leaders because I don't want to be that untouchable where, gosh, this company is so big and there's so much red tape and I can, I never know who the decision maker is. And I, and, and even if I could figure that out, you know, there's 20 people that I would have to, you know, get through before I could ever get to that person to even voice an opinion. I don't don't want to be that kind of a company. Mm. And so I, so my leadership development and the types of books that I am drawn to uh, which, by the way, I listen to on books on CD because remember, I don't read. Are are always about that? How how can I grow uh, financially in my company, but still remain that that type of a leader who is touchable, who is approachable, who is available to my people? 
Mm, that's really powerful. I, I feel like that is a, because leaders are used to being able to, especially in the beginning, control everything, be a part of everything. And then as your leadership grows, it's almost like, now help me if I'm wrong with this, but it's almost like you want to lead with less of a touch point. Like how does one do that? Do you know what I'm I, saying? Like with less time, I guess, involved. Okay. I've, I, I, maybe twice in the last 20 years made the mistake of thinking that I could replace myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I'm not replaceable, but I thought, oh, I could just kind of back out of this company and this organization, turn it over, turn my role, meaning what I bring to this company, I could turn completely turn that over to somebody else. And, and it was a disaster and it cost me credibility. It cost me uh, money to, to go back and fix it. So but but now I'm I'm a dad. You know, again, I have a six year old daughter, and she's my priority. I'm I'm a room parent in her school. I'm I'm very very active in my daughter's life, and that's what I want to do. However, though, I realize that I will never replace myself. I will always be involved. But how I'm involved is very different today than how it was before she was born. You know, like when she was born, I moved my office to my home mm. rather than attend two or three hour meetings. Uh, in in person, I could either Skype in with those meetings or I can just read the minutes from that meeting, mm-hmm. uh, see what was discussed and what was a 30-minute conversation I can now read about in five minutes. Mm. Um, so I'm still involved and I, I you know respond with my input on that. I reorganize the company. So rather than 20 people answering directly to me, it's only two people. And so you know, I, I'm in a position now, 35 years later, to be able to do that. Mm. Um, but but uh, now I forgot what the question was, but it was probably yeah, a really good question. <laughs> well, I loved the answer and you pretty much answered it, but it was talk. I was just asking, you know, at what point is it like it, I, the goal, I think, and, and I'm kind of generalizing, but the goal in business is to build something, but not have to be so in it all the time. And I think that as a leader, sometimes the hardest part can be taking yourself out of the parts that you're actually not needed in. But kind of like you said, what parts are still, I think it's figuring out exactly what parts are still super necessary for the company to run the way that you want. Okay. Now I can answer that. You know, we, we've heard the term a lot, you know, you either work in your company or on your company. So for many, many years, I worked in my company. I was the director. I was the operator. You know, I was the the shampoo boy. I was the towel boy. I was the janitor. I was the receptionist. I did payroll. I led the meetings. I d- I did everything. I worked in my in my business. Obviously, as I grew, I was able to hire other people to take those those positions, take over those tasks. However, though, the thing that you can never, my belief that you can never ever step away from, are the things that we discussed earlier. And that is that I still have to be that passionate leader. I still have to be the person who helps people feel safe, that they belong, and that they have a purpose. And it doesn't matter your product or service that you offer in your company. It doesn't matter what you're selling to bring in revenue. People need to feel safe. Mm. People need to feel that they belong. People need to feel that they have a purpose. And it, again, you could be selling pizzas, 
Mm-hmm. But people have a purpose. Wow, we, we create a clean environment in this pizza place where families come together every single night to connect with each other. So we, we bring families together. We're not just selling pizza. We, we bring families together to connect with each other. Wow, we have a purpose. We're making a difference in this community. Mm-hmm. And everybody needs to feel that. You know, what, what do they say? That, that people don't quit jobs. They, they quit people. They quit bosses. Mm-hmm. In fact, they say over 50% of people who quit their jobs did so to get away from their bosses, mm-hmm. did so to get away from a horrible culture. And mm-hmm. so I, I ask myself all the time, if somebody quits, did they quit to get away from me? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's such a good question. Uh, okay, so I know that we share some similar backgrounds just as far as coming from, uh, as I completely pivot, Um, some similar backgrounds just coming from some more restrictive religious backgrounds and talking about just the the surroundings that we're in and the people that we're surrounded by. And this is just a, a, a big question about who you're surrounded by and the challenges of when people are wanting to show up more as a leader or step into their goals or step into more of their potential. But that means leaving either the people around them or it means uh, really letting go of something or it means not being involved in something anymore. What do you share with people about that transition period of when your tribe changes or when you're, you know, some members of the family may not approve of what you're doing or how your life path is going? How do you, have you dealt through your life? Because I can only imagine how many transitions there were with that. That period. I, I like that word transition. There's a, there's a great song by the Indigo Girls. And uh, one of the lines in the song is, every five years or so, I take a good look at my life and I have a good laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and I think true. that's kind of been the, the cycle of my transition. It's like every five years, I kind of have to uh, reinvent myself. Mm. And, and as you reinvent yourself, you're right. Some people stay and some people go. And, and, you know, as, as we grow, and it, it's, it's amazing how many people feel stuck. They're, they're stuck in a religion. They're stuck in a marriage. They're stuck in, a, in the city that they live in because the people who they were surrounded by limited them to that belief system, limited them to that lifestyle. You can only earn this amount of money. I, I mean, I, I'm in the hairdressing business. I'm in the, in the educational business for hairdressing. And probably 99% of the students who sign up for my schools were told by somebody that hairdressers cannot make money. Wow. Why are you doing this? Why are you pursuing your dream and your passion? You'll never make money at this. And, and obviously that's not by any means the truth because mm-hmm. I bet you spend a fortune on your hairdresser, right, oh, Lori? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, she makes uh, money. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, so not that's just one example, but mm-hmm. how many people do not pursue... Uh, their greatness, i.e. a great marriage or a great career or a life of bliss and happiness, uh, because the people around them said, you're, you're never going to achieve that. Mm. You're not going to achieve a good marriage. You're not going to achieve, you're not worthy enough to be in a marriage with somebody who completely respects you and loves you and uh, for who you are. Mm. And so they, they feel stuck. Mm. And so just, just be very, very careful who you're surrounded by. And I, you know, and some, I, I like the, to use the word <laughs> divorce. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to divorce yourself from certain people. 
That doesn't mean you have to make some formal announcement and write a proclamation that this person is no longer a part of your life. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means that sometimes you have to put a little distance between you and other people. Mm. You know, a, a good example that I can use for that is uh, in November. So just last month, I celebrated 16 years clean off of drugs. Mm. Well, when I made that decision, the day that I decided to become drug free, you know, could I still hang out with the people that I had that drug lifestyle with? No. Mm-hmm. Could I still just call them on occasion and say, hey, what's up? Could I still do that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. So when I divorced myself from those people, it wasn't because I felt like I was better than they are or because I was judging them. I stayed away from those people. I divorced myself from those people because I now love myself enough to stay away. Mm. Mm. We need to love ourselves enough to stay away from people who are limiting our potential. Mm. They're limiting us in our journey of betterment, whether that's professionally, whether that's with our own happiness and self-esteem, whether that's uh, physically. There are people who will talk you out of going to the gym every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are people who will talk you out of investing time with your kids. You have to love yourself enough to stay away from those people. It's the the challenge comes in when it's people that we love or we grew up with or who f- we feel know us really well and they make us feel bad about the new decision so that you're a bad person. But that's there, how there, Yeah, go ahead. Well there there are people in my, you know, family life, uh family people who who I would, I would want to argue with them, you know, because I had a different belief system and my life was better and I, it was better. And so I would debate with them and argue with them. And and somebody finally pulled me aside and said, why are you doing that? Mm. You know, why are you, you know, why are you trying to change them? They, they are who they are, you know, just, you know, just love them for who they are and, 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 you know, say, thank you for sharing. (laughs) Hey, thank you for sharing. And then move on. Mm. You know, I have a philosophy of SW, SW, SW. It stands for some will, some won't. So what? Mm. Move on. Find the people who do want to love you and support you in that new journey. Mm. So is that kind of the mantra that you say in your head? Because I think it's that it's what you're left with in your head when the situation is over. So especially this is super powerful during this time of, you know, holiday season, having to go back to those places that can make you feel like the old you or that you can be like, I'm not that person anymore. Or having people say a lot of different things to you about how you are now or this new version of you. And especially moving into the new year with, you know, wanting to become even that next version of you. What are some mantras or things that you say in your head after those moments of, you know, the the gap between so what or the event and the so what? How do you kind of heal like that inner turmoil or or get right with it, make peace with it? As much as you need to divorce yourself from those people, you also absolutely need to find the people who do believe in you and support you. Mm. And by the way, I I don't think it's supposed to be a large circle. Mm. You don't need 20 gym buddies, you need Mm -hmm. one or two. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need a hundred people to agree with the person that you've decided to spend the rest of your life with. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think I shared this with you. My my favorite new quote actually came from Oprah is that 
everybody wants to ride in the limo with you. What we need are the people who are willing to ride the bus with us when the limo broke down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my my limo breaks down about every five years, like I said. Mm -hmm. Every five years or so, I've got to sit down and reinvent myself. And so, okay, so who's who's still around me? Mm -hmm. It's so easy for people to jump on that bandwagon and be a part of of, of the, the new you because it's exciting and there's, there's, there's money involved and there's opportunities involved and everything. But, but w- what about that when that person has now moved on? Mm-hmm. When you've grown out of that person and you're reinventing yourself, you're transitioning, as you said, Lori, okay, well, who's going to stay by your side as you transition into the next person? And so I like to say that you have to find mentors, number one mentors, and be, be careful of who you choose as a mentor. Because sometimes we ask for relationship advice from that friend who's been divorced three times and now she hates men. <laughs> right. That, that is not your mentor. Mm-hmm. They should not be giving you advice. You know, a mentor is somebody who is happy and successful in the area where you want growth, mm-hmm. where you want happiness and success, right? So, so get those mentors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, I don't be, believe that one mentor could encompass every area. So I don't, I don't believe that your spiritual mentor could also be your physical mentor who could also be your business mentor. So I think you need a variety of different mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the second step is to find the people who want to play with you. Mm. Find the people, not everybody wants to play with you. Not everybody is excited about me going to the gym every day. Not everybody mm-hmm. is excited about me choosing not to drink anymore. I, I, um, I, I shared this with you that I, I made a decision and next week it'll be uh, 15 months that I haven't had a drop of alcohol. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now there's, there's not a backstory here. I wasn't, you know, there's no DUIs. I wasn't found, you know, naked on the side of the road. So <laughs> it was just, it was just, I needed to make that decision. I, I needed to transition. Now, obviously the drug Use was something that that was a desperate, horrific situation. But mm. you know, the drinking was. I just wanted to reinvent myself, and mm. and that's what I decided to do. And so, but trust me, Lori, there were people who were literally angry at me, mm. angry, mm-hmm. good friends of mine, angry at me over my decision to not drink anymore. Mm. Hmm. I could see that because they felt socially, uh, you know, that was how they socially connected with you, or whatever that looks like. So, how did you let that go? <laughs> I found the people who loved me and supported mm-hmm. me in the decision. Mm-hmm. And, and I forgave those people who didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, just thank you for sharing. I, I forgive you for not being the person that I think that you should be in this moment. You know, I, I, and I'm not saying that this was an actual conversation, but in my mind, in my heart, this is what I'm saying to that person. Mm. You know, you're, you're doing the best that you know how, just as I am. So I forgive you for not being that person that I think that you should be or that I need you to be. I forgive you. But then I moved on and found the people who did love and support me in those decisions. Oh my God. So much of what you just took us on a journey of, I mean, even from the beginning of this podcast was I went and I found the people. I went and I found the mentors. It's like you have to intentionally seek those people where I think just the big missing bridge, as you talk about, is that people think who's in their life right now is going to be the people who are going to carry them through to the next phase of their life. And it's just not It the is case. not that you're right. It's, it's not the people who got you here. 
are probably not going to be the people to take you to your next transition. Right. Right. And, and that's, that's the scary part. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, it's so funny. You're right. We have to, we have to seek out those people because I think you and I were talking about this the other day, but you and I talked about a lot the other day. Um, <laughs> How how there's there are people who know more about the Kardashians than they know about the latest research in breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if left to our own devices, with what exists on this planet nowadays, well, then we're going to sit and watch reality shows. Mm-hmm. We're going to sit and engage in negative social media because that's just what we do. Mm-hmm. We have to intentionally, intentionally divorce ourselves from those things and intentionally go out there and find the people who are going to help us transition to the next level. Mm. I love that you're sharing that because I have to say like so much of what I do that brings me happiness is first first (laughs) starts out in the feeling of resistance. And it's like, I think my higher self speaks to me really quickly. Like she speaks for like one second. And then I have to remember what she said as I go through the resistance that feels like crap to get to the thing that I was trying to get to in the first place. And it's just, it's like this big bait and switch that I think that we forget. Like we forget that the things that are the best for us often don't feel awesome in the beginning. Well, you, you, I mean, you're a brilliant mentor for that because you have the experience of that physical metaphor of resistance, mm-hmm. meaning breaking down your muscles in a gym. So you physically have that metaphor mm-hmm. and that experience to share with people that you then so beautifully can translate into other areas of your life where you have to break yourself down maybe mm-hmm. spiritually or break yourself down and humble yourself and surrender in the area of intimate relationships mm-hmm. to be able to then go to the next level and build up a different type of a muscle that's stronger and better. Mm. I mean, especially when you, you know, just talking about that. And I know that you are like, you are such a fit human being, like your level of fitness is amazing. I think that that's so powerful to have that physical experience because it also reminds us of how long it takes to keep doing the thing, even when you're not seeing a result. But the result doesn't always have to be, I look good in a bikini. Right, right. You know, the, 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 the result can be, wow, I got that monkey off my back. Yep. You know, so I, I, I don't look good in a bikini, you know, but, but I, I overcame something this week that I didn't overcome the week before. And what I overcame was I said yes, and I did whatever it took to get my body moving. I, mm. And I, I did that this week. And there's just something empowering about that. Mm. Just that feeling of like, wow, I did something. I'm also the type of person that I, I tell people what I'm doing. I, I actually say that I like to tell the truth in advance. <laughs> oh, I like that. So I, 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 I turned 60 uh, in, in a couple of months. And I, I, I've been telling people for several years that my goal is to be in better shape physically and mentally with my mind at 60 than I was at 40. And mm. I've been telling people. And so I, I, you know, I set myself up for that. I, I, when I, the day that I decided that I wasn't going to drink alcohol anymore, I, I told everybody, mm. you know, I, I didn't keep it a secret. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the best advice. I'm just saying that that's how I work. Mm-hmm. That's how I operate best is to, to put it out there. So I, I kind of set myself up for that and people are watching me now. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's um, exactly what I do. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I, it's so it's so easy for me to cheat. You know, I say, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm not going to eat that, but there it is in the house and I'm going to eat it. Mm-hmm. You know, I spoke about my book for four years before I actually had a book. And so for a while there, I was like, why in the hell did I like speak about this book so much? Because I'm not doing it. And I needed that though. I needed to hear myself say like, I'm writing a book. I'm you know, going to be this best-selling author or whatever. That's my goal. Yeah. I definitely had those moments of, wow, why did I share that with everyone and say that so often? But looking back, I had to, it's almost like I had to speak it to hear myself and believe it, you know, and say what was happening. Right. Yeah. So powerful. So I loved what you just talked about with goals. It's just backing up the, instead of looking at like, I think sometimes when we set those goals, we look at a, what the result, the main result is that we want, but talking about how the result that you want for today is just to get this monkey off your back or just to make yourself proud that you actually did something that you said you were going to do, like backing down the results within the result. Like what's the actual like micro result? I love that. And celebrate it. Yeah, definitely. We 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 need joy in our lives, you know. Mm We need we need joy. We need fun, and it's 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 amazing how we we look at the areas of our lives as drudgery. Mm -hmm. So if I have to quit smoking, I have Mm -hmm. to lose weight, and we make it so such a chore. Well, I don't I don't operate that way, and I think a lot of people are the same way. That it's got to be fun. Mm-hmm. Somehow we got to bring joy and fun to the process of of even accomplishing the things that we think are monumental, such as you know physical things that obstacles that we need to overcome, or or in business or whatever is is the difficult part of people to overcome. Mm-hmm. So as we start to wrap this up, because clearly we could just do like four more of these podcasts. Um, <laughs> what's fun for you right now? Oh, my daughter. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that, that you shared that, with me about how you weren't sure that you'd be the person who was like all in on the parenting thing. And now you're just like obsessed. Oh, I'm, I'm obsessed. Oh, it scared me though. You know, again, I'm, I'm later in life. So, um, you know, I, I'll be 70 when she graduates from high school, you know. Mm. So the thought of being an older dad, you know, am I going to have the energy? Am I going to have the stamina to to be a good dad? And so... You know, I made a decision that I would I would just say yes to everything that involved her, and so I, I said earlier that I'm a I'm a room parent. Out of, out of sixty room parents in my daughter's school, I'm the only dad. It's me and fifty nine moms, which is a reason to start drinking again. By the way, <laughs> um, oh, that's amazing. So I just I just I if, if it's important to me, well then then I need to show up. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we said in the very beginning. So if, if I'm going to be a good dad, well, then I better say yes to everything. And so I just, anything that has to do with her, I say yes to. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I, I you know, just like I, I tell other people about the things I want to accomplish that I'm going to stop drinking. And I told them that the, the day that I decided I wasn't going to drink, I told people that I'm going to be a good dad, that I'm going to say yes to everything to do with my daughter. And so it wasn't a surprise to my team when I canceled attending a staff meeting because my daughter had something come up in her school. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, well, of course. When Wynn told us... Right. <laughs> when, at the very, very beginning, he was going to say yes to everything that has to do with his daughter. And gosh, you know, Wynn's such a good dad. Good for him. Wynn, don't come into the meeting. We're so glad you're going you're gonna to miss the meeting because we know exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it. So... Mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I, I make the decision myself and then I just tell everybody. But to answer your question, what brings me joy and what is fun for me is just, um, especially now during the holidays, to see all of this and experience all of this through the eyes of a little girl. You know, mm-hmm. you, you all know what the elf on the shelf is, right? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is real for her. <laughs> it is so real. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we had one of my uh, girlfriends has a daughter and she stayed last year during the holiday season and the elf like somehow magically appeared from the suitcase and it was so real. I was like, this is truly like, like she would w- come running home to see where it was throughout the week. And I was like, oh my God, this is like a oh, really it's, real it's thing. so exciting. I know. Like, where's it going to be? And like, they have their own personality and like, oh my God, they make up this whole world. It's really cool. So it's definitely right. going to carry on that tradition when I have kids. So, all right, when, what do you want to, is there anything that's kind of come up for you during this or what do you want to leave people with or any clues? thoughts. One of the things that did come up for me was the, the excuses that people will, will, will use to not say yes and move forward on anything that we've talked about or any of the things that they're already working on. A belief system that I have is ready, fire, aim. Mm. Because people ready, aim, 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 and they mm-hmm. never fire. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I need one more course at college. I need, you know, one more book to read. I need, meaning sometimes you just have to fire and then you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's pursuing something that you're passionate about, just fire already. Just, you know, just pull the trigger and move on it. And then, yeah, you're going to make some mistakes, but surrounded by the right people and with the passion that you have, you'll, you'll make it work. But mm-hmm. We just we just delay things way too long because we think that we have to be better in whatever that area is. And sometimes, mm. you know, it's just it's just time to go already. Just just do it. Mm. That's some of my favorite advice that I think I could ever get or receive or live by. So I love that you closed with that. And I just want to acknowledge you just for, you know what? I want to acknowledge you just for the human that you are, like being on both sides of being to be be able to be on your podcast and have you on my show and just really get to experience the way that your mind works and how much you love people. And what a great listener you are. And it just reminds me of the power of when people are interested in people and come energetic and excited. Like I felt special and important and you've made an impact in my life. And I feel, um, yeah, just honored to have spent time with you. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, sweetheart. I I, I genuinely am interested in, mm. in people and what they what they think and how they feel. And so it's, it's been so, so easy to sit down with you on this occasion and last week. And, and I know that we're going to have many of these opportunities. So thanks, sweetheart. Mm, well, when I'm so grateful for you and you guys, if you loved this episode as much as I did, make sure you gift it and share it with a friend. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest 
thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, y'all. I'm so excited to share with you. Earn Your Happy is now part of Growth Day Podcast Network. A bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world and support shows and brands that we truly believe in. And one of my friends is also on the network, and I'd love for you to go subscribe to his show. You guys, Trent Shelton has the most incredible podcast. It's called Straight Up with Trent Shelton, and it's going to remind you that you are built for this. I have heard Trent speak in person multiple times. I've listened to his podcast a ton. He's coming on the show and I literally cannot wait because this man just spits straight fire. It is like truth that goes to your core and makes you take action right away. If you want one of those podcasts that when you're just out on a walk, you can't help but want to start running and run through a wall in your life, this is the show to go listen to. So you guys make sure that you go subscribe to the show straight up with Trent Shelton. You're going to love it. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthdate.com slash Lori.
Hey, I know if you're listening to this podcast that you have big dreams and big goals. And one of the things that can really stop you is struggling with your marketing. Trust me, I have been there. Are you using 10 different systems just to build your online business? Then I want you to try Kajabi. Kajabi helps you build your web pages, set up funnels, and sell your courses, content, coaching, or communities. You've been hearing me talk a lot about funnels on this podcast and the importance of your email list. You can get a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. I've talked about Kajabi before, but here's something that's super cool and new. They just rolled out an AI assistant for creating your online course curriculum. And this means you just type in a topic that you wanna create on a course or webinar and bam, it just generates a sample outline for you. It takes a ton of the hard work away. Of course, you're gonna customize it to be your own, but this really helps you get over the struggle of how in the world to start which is where most people stop. If you're like me, starting is always the hardest part and that's what makes Kajabi so popular. They've made it easier for creators to build web pages, build courses, build coaching programs, build membership sites, build checkout pages and build email funnels. So if you're struggling with any of those, you gotta go check it out. Go to kajabi.com. Kajabi was really the first all-in-one system and is trusted by over 100,000 creators. I think that's good enough for me. Also as influencers and marketers who use this and now their smart ai platform makes it easy to take what you know and turn it into an online course and business go start building with a free trial at kajabi.com that's k-a-j-a-b-i.com